So I go to them and say, look, let me find lost money, put it back to work. Let me talk to you about velocities. Let me talk about the rules of financial institutions. Let me get you organized, show you how it would be. And I won't charge you anything. I'll do it for no additional out-of-pocket cost. But if I create value, if I can find money and put it back to work, if I can create the two to $5 million of wealth I think I can create by finding lost money and put it back to work, just give me a chance. Let's to a special edition of Success Leaves Clues. We are off-site um, for this episode. Um, first of all, I had a great workout in this morning in the Three Kings, um, but now I get to sit down with Scott Jarrett, who's a, not even a financial advisor, almost like a wealth coach, and we're going to find out about how his strategy is so different than anything that I've ever seen in the financial advisor realm, and I had a conversation here last week, and I was like, man, i got to have you on the show and really just educate you know, you are about, you know, how you can take your finances to the next level, how you can invest in, in addition to the market, but in businesses and ideals and in yourself. And really, his platform is very unique. So I want that opportunity to talk to you and let you mm -hmm. kind of share your story and like what makes you so special and how you've able to grow your business over the last couple of years, man. So welcome on to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Awesome. So, um... Yeah. First introduction, I think uh, we, we were here last week, and I love the, the first question that you ask your potential clients when they come and work out with you. I thought that was a great <laughs> question to like, get started with, because it's all about protection. And uh, So what is your first question that you typically ask when you sit down with someone? Uh, how's your mind, right, Gary? Where are you at? <laughs> right, right, right. So the, the, question, the, the question was like, you're talking about like the protection in terms of like, if you got hit by a truck. Yeah. Like what, what? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So, so the question's always, you know, three years from now, right? You know, what has to happen for our time together to be worthwhile? Right. Like, what are some of the things that are going on in your life that are opportunities that you want to take advantage of? What are some of the strengths that you possess? Um, what are some of the dangers that are out there? And what are some of the threats? Right. So, when someone comes in, it's it's more about not about us, it's about them and what they're really trying to do. So everyone has opportunities, they have strengths, they have danger, they have threats. Mm -hmm. And um, so a lot of times you start hearing about all the dreams and the goals and things that people want to accomplish and there could be an issue. There could be a threat that is either perceived or non-perceived, they know that it's not, like right now we have a threat, right, of COVID-19 is gonna stop yeah. the world, right? That's a threat that's out of our control. So how are you going to take advantage of the future opportunities, what your, your bigger future would look like, and how do you, what's the new normal look like, right? So um, those are things that are like right in front of us right now. So as you go through it, right? Yeah, no, that's amazing. So in terms of like the threats, you said real or perceived, um, but a real threat is how is your protection set up? Right. And um, I think I love the analogy or, or the question was like, if you get hit by a car, you know, what happens to what you? What happens, right? Or, conversely, if, if you hit, like, God forbid, if you hit someone by a car, right. like, what, how, your, how are your assets protected? Right, how are you protected? So, like, right now, we don't don't really think of the bad things that could happen in right. life, right? So, we're, we're going out, we're doing our thing, and we never realize what, what's out there. So, before I ever meet with someone, you're, you're really, you're in a, you're what we call your present position. Mm -hmm. 
we don't know what the future is going to be. We don't know what change and chaos and um, different crisis moments we're going to have. We know we're going to have a series of them in our lives. And how do we react to those is what's important. So what we do know for sure is where we presently are. So we're here. We know what our assets look like. We know what our liabilities look like. We know what our net worth looks like. We know what our, our income is, right? We know what our, our protection is. So we look at things four-dimensionally, and once we know what those the present position is, um, we put them into, it's like a football, right? We know we got you know, so many guys in the field, we got somebody on offense, somebody on defense, we're here. This is our present position. Right. So now we can move. So we look at it and we go, hey, um, I have all the information, right? So I'm looking at these 19 areas and I'm evaluating. So one of the most important things you look at is car insurance. Yeah. It's the first thing, right? Your car insurance, homeowners, and liability insurance. Those really only protect your assets. So the thing is, Gary, if you get into a car accident and it's Budweiser beer truck that hits you, how much money do you want? All right. So how much money do you want, Gary? Yeah, a lot. Ten million. Like it's Budweiser. Yeah, yeah. Twenty million. Like, like Tracy Morgan, right? There's an undisclosed amount, right? That's what I want. Right. I want that. I want beer for life. Beer for yeah. my friends for life. Like we'll call it a day. Yeah, absolutely. So, they they have a big legal team. Their legal team is going to come back and say, well, what? What, what, were you, what were you making? Like, what was your income earnings for your life? What was all that going to look like? And you're going to go out and get your attorney, right? You're going to find one of the billboards and call the guy and say, hey, I need help. 1-800-ASK-GARY. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, they have them in Tampa. And they come out and they um, will say, well, this is what we're do. This is what they're do. So what they're going to come back to their conclusion says, what was the human life value? Mm. What was the economic value of loss that happened? So, and, and that's calculated by... Your, your earning potential mm -hmm. and then maximize by your lifetime expectancy? Yes. Okay. So if you're, say you're 40 now, mm -hmm. congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you make $100,000 a year. Right. So 40 to 65, right? We got 25 years of earnings, yeah. right? 2.5. So, yeah. So if I gave you $2.5 million in a check today and you put it in the stock market and you earn 5%, it would pay you one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, yeah. which is a little bit more yeah. than what you're currently making. So, on an economic value, they're gonna say, "Look, I'll give you the two and a half million. That's really what you would. So now you don't have to work anymore, as you can't, and that would call that would call, we'll call it a day. That's your economic value. That's what we would want to protect you against. The, the the crazy part is, is like some people think our a misconception would be, no, they have a billion dollars. Like, I want to sue them for $100 million. And, like, it doesn't work like that, right? <laughs> I mean, you can sue them for whatever you want. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly what you're going to get. Yeah, what are you going to get? So if it's Budweiser, you may have a much like more, higher likelihood to get more than $2.5 million, right? right. right? Um, but what happens if the guy hits you that isn't Budweiser? Yeah. It's like someone without car insurance or just a normal person. We have people coming all the time, and they've got their car insurance. Like, Here's my car insurance. they got a $100,000 liability. State minimums are like twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars, depending on what state you're in. Yeah. So in that case, then they'll pay out a hundred. And what did you just do? Well, you just self-insured yourself for two point four million. Yeah. Right. So now that if the tide turned and it wasn't Budweiser, which is probably more likely, and it's someone without car insurance or normal liabilities, now you're now you just decided to make a decision, whether you knew it or not, to self-insure yourself for two point four million.
right? And most people have no idea that that's even the case. And the problem is the car insurance person gets the, they're trying to be the lowest priced. They're saying, hey man, just, um, you know, do it this way. Or worse, they're getting taught by the insurance company because their goal is to pay, is to give you as little amount of coverage as possible, but charge you the most for the policy. Your goal is to pay the highest, <laughs> highest benefit for the least amount of cost, right? So they may have like, we'll have low deductibles, right? You wreck your car, it's 500 bucks to fix the car. You pay $500, your car's fixed, and then low, lower that down, right? So you're your the company the insurance company's taking on the small risk and you're t and you're letting them not be on the hook for the catastrophic right right so if it's not budweiser that hits you then then that's that's the situation um but what happens if you hit a guy that's making that money mm -hmm. and it's your fault and then they come after you for the money what happens to your earnings now they would right they would come they would have an attorney you would have an attorney come out they said they would sue you you don't have the money then you would have to be paying out of your earnings. So that would be very hard to grow when you have this lingering. So now we're figuring out, do we move to a third world country and call it a day? Mm -hmm. Or do we, what do we do, right? Do we bankrupt ourselves? What is it? So those are the scenarios that you start to go through. And people don't even think about it because they're so focused on wealth building, right. right? That the protection piece is the one thing they can control, but they forget about it. Yeah, so, so that's fascinating. So in that scenario for yourself, <clears throat> what what do you look at? You look at obviously I want to have a, a, a policy that has a pretty large cap that I can pay for, and then is that like backed by an umbrella policy like over yourself or your your house or how, how does that? What's the structure? Yeah, exactly. So umbrella liability insurance is what you would look at, mm -hmm. and it's very inexpensive. It's typically two to three hundred bucks per year per million. Wow. Um, good insurance advisors will recommend it. Others. Just don't. There, um, some companies have gotten out of that business. They don't want to insure them anymore. But it is inexpensive. So you can get uh, car insurance for a few hundred bucks more. Get a million dollar umbrella. Mm -hmm. So if that person's making a hundred thousand dollars a year, their 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 protected amount would be. You're not allowed to get more insurance than what you're worth. You can't be overinsured. You can buy unnecessary insurance, right? Right. Right. <laughs> right? But you may won't, won't be overinsured. So you would buy that amount of coverage, right? Because they're only going to replace your value yeah. or what the lawsuit is, but they're not going to give you more than what your value is. So for that, if you raise your deductibles, you free up dollars, mm -hmm. take the deductible savings, pick up the million dollar umbrella or two million, right? Because it would be a stack, it would be 250 on your car, million, and you have a house of let's say 300 to 400,000, whatever it is at that price range. So now you're at, you're pretty close to two million at that point. Yeah. And that's great because the umbrella, it, it covers like injury at, at your house as well, right? Even if kids have a friend over and something happens, right? it will pick that up as well. Yeah. It's funny too because I'll ask people, I'll like, so if you have a house and it burned down, how much house would you want back? Um, so if you have a four bedroom house, three bath, and all this stuff and your house burned down, how much would you want? And what, do you, what would you say? Yeah, well, the house, the, well, the, same, house. the same one. But what do you need? What do you what do you really need? Like, come on. Like you could live in, you know, a trailer, one bathroom, you guys could share it, right? right? You could cook outside. You've done a lot. So you really only need yeah. this, right? So the difference between needs and wants are two totally different things, right? So 
in a perfect world, you would get exactly the same house as what it was. Mm -hmm. It would be there. So if it burnt down to the ground, it would be right there. So it's your job to make sure it's insured for that amount. So a lot of people don't want to, um, don't understand the difference between wants and needs. So they'll say like, if I get disabled or I get sick and I can't work, well, how much money do you want coming in? Well, ideally you'd want the exact yeah, same, amount, yeah. right? But what do you really need? So what they do is they, they insure themselves if I get sick for a lesser amount, their best asset. Your ability to go to work and generate income is your most important asset, but yet we'll spend more money on car insurance, homeowner's insurance, we don't protect the goose, it's gold, laying the golden eggs, yeah. right? Um, and the reason why I think is because they don't feel like they, they, they try to live on a needs base versus what they should have. And they, and the bottom line is it comes down to cost. They don't want to pay yeah, for yeah. something. I think, I think a lot of people's, um, wrongfully has this mindset that it's not going to happen to me. Right. Like my house is not going to burn down. No. So why, why do I have to, I spent, you know, 800 K on my house. Like I'm just going to show it for 400 K. Right? right. If it burns down, surely it's not going to burn down to the ground. Right. Surely I could just rebuild the rest. If it burns down to the ground, though, right, you have a problem. Yeah, yeah. If so it's I, not there, right? My house burned down as a kid. Wow. And we had to go to them and show them everything that we had, mm. right? Because if you didn't do a video inventory or everything, they're like, "Yeah, right, you had that." Because sure, I'll, yeah, I had that toy or I had whatever, right? Luckily, we were okay because we really weren't that big of a claim. But then again, at the end of the day, it's your job to show them what you had. So most people don't have a video inventory. If they did, it's probably stored in the home computer that burnt down anyway. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't backed up and stored yeah. virtually, right? Wow. I mean, now it might be more so, but before, maybe not. So it's your job to identify what assets you have. Schedule your rings, your Super Bowl rings. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that way, if it's gone, like, if it's not scheduled, what's the value of it, right? Nah. So will my um, wife's Amazon account, like their past history purchases, would that would that be liable? Can I <laughs> can I pull that up, like as a as a look look? This is what she spends a week on Amazon. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> I would keep all that as records just in case. No, that's fascinating, man. So, uh, man, great information. I think about yeah. um, not only wealth creation, but more importantly, wealth protection. Right. Um, but probably doing a, a disservice if we don't talk a little bit about like your background like how did you like get into this space um why uh wealth advisory um and, and kind of what, what's your what's your background you're you're a former athlete mm -hmm. yeah and then um, inside linebacker no. <laughs> <laughs> so walk us to where, where did you grow up um grew up in greenwood okay south side of indianapolis god's country yeah that's right <laughs> Uh, my father moved over here to open up steak and shakes oh. essentially and um then ended up losing his job or whatever and my parents separated so then my mom had to work you know and was waiting tables so i had three kids or brothers and sisters two of them so i had to stay home with them while she would go to work and we didn't have much so we had to move into subsidized housing and all that stuff and by 12 years old, I had a paper out and was figuring it out, you know, going to the grind, trying to make money, trying to get through. We opened a carpet cleaning business and was fairly entrepreneur early on. And um, it wasn't until we moved, we were like in Indianapolis, then moved to Greenwood my, in eighth grade. And um, the basketball coach said, hey, you want to play basketball? And I'm like, sure. So he got me some shoes. And next thing I knew, I was playing sports. And it was like, I loved it. And then I met some guys that were playing in college. Like, the seniors that were one 
one of the kids ended up going to Purdue. It's really, Mike Allstott, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I wanted to do that. So I was like, I'm gonna do sports. So I just put all in and, and luckily got a scholarship and my C average got me in. And But college wasn't for us, right? No one had gone, no one ever knew. Somebody would ask who's going to college, like, no, that's not for me. But sports was the gateway. Sports gateway, and then, then, I, then we got to college and I was a criminal justice major because that was the easier degree. And then realized that this wasn't, I wanted to do more and, and then just transferred, got into, thought I wanted to be an architect, started doing architecture school and then realized I couldn't draw a straight line. <laughs> then wanted to be a real estate developer and then got a master's in technology because I knew technology was the future. So I went through all these facets. Ended up getting a job in high tech America, uh, moved to Atlanta, um, doing corporate consulting for AT&T with big companies, moved to Tampa, they bought a division IBM and we laid off all these people. And I'm like, man, where am I gonna be many years from now? And I was like, I love entrepreneurship. I thought I was gonna try to be a corporate guy. Found out that was 100% unemployable and thought that entrepreneurship was my way and I just wanted to help other business owners do it and that was our story. So I, my, my roommate at the time had, um, some financial experience, so he quit his job first. We split my paycheck until we got the company up and running, and then once we did, then I quit, and the rest is history. We're in a lot of different states, and um, offering financial advice um, as the way that I would want to build, because I was always fascinated with money and how entrepreneurship worked, and the mindset, and the athletic, and all that stuff, so that's where we are today. So Man, that's awesome. And you have four different offices? Yeah, so we're in um, what? How many offices? So we're in Indianapolis, uh, Tampa, Fort Wayne, um, Sarasota. Um, we got an office in Naples. We're in um, New Jersey, New York, Washington D.C. That's more than four. Yeah, it's yeah, eight. Right? Eight. More <laughs> yeah. than four. Yeah. So that, that's that's a great. That's um, and it's amazing because it's it's probably challenging as a small guy independent right going up against the jp morgan's of the world or the, the other big financial institutions yeah um in terms of you know just having jared, jared bunch consultant and that's the name on all, all of the buildings right but i think what's mm -hmm. unique is about your your value proposition and what makes you different from all of those so so you had to like talk about your value proposition um that you offer your your clients what, what would that be yeah, so for me, it was always understanding, um, when, we, when we originally started, I, I remember being at, when I was in corporate consulting at AT&T, I would get called from financial advisors saying, hey, let me help with your money and all this stuff. And I felt just a deep untrusting of what they were telling me because I, I'd never had money before and I knew that what I had, like I would save 50% of it and I'd want to make sure it was working right and the advice I was getting wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable with. So do you, do you remember why? Do you remember what what was what was the advice? It, yeah, it was like um, like put it into the stock market, um, buy insurance. They were telling me like that they could pick different things to make it, make me more wealth along the way, and I didn't feel like they had any wealth either. So I didn't know how they were going to create wealth for me because all the people that had money were running businesses and they were financing deals <laughs> and they were entrepreneurs and I was like you work for this company how are you gonna teach me how to manage my money you know what I'm saying it, it was a, I saw some, <laughs> it was like a joke I don't know one of the big uh, Warren Buffett somebody said it was like 50% uh, 60% of America pays a guy in New York City who rides a train into work to manage their assets so it was like you're yeah. a, a guy who has no financial wealth no financial well-being you're just working for a company and this is the guy that you trust with your yeah 
teacher's legacy. Right, and you find out their balance sheets aren't strong, or they don't have it. They don't use economic-based decisions to make the financial decisions. They don't have principles and rules, typically. And a lot of times, it's like the um, it's like the psychologist you go to to get advice. They have more mental issues than the people they're talking to sometimes. <laughs> um, but I don't know to say that by everybody, but it's right, like right. I felt that I was a better steward of finances than what that I was getting. Now, I could be wrong, right? But I thought there was a lot of misinformation. There was malpractice out there. They were selling products versus solutions. They were, um, that's what it was about. It was about whatever the product was they were trying to push on their, on their, on their, on the people, right? Like even banks today, like they use the power of their ability to give loans. Say, look, I'll give you a loan, but then manage your money over here and make it a deal. Like that's your value is cost. So what we thought was the better way to do it was to educate Mm. about how money's done. So when I was going through school, we would learn principles. We would learn things about economics. We'd learn things about how like real estate investing was done and all this stuff. So like there's certain principles that was in the fundamentals of the education that we were learned, we were taught. But when I take a CFP exam, they were teaching me things that were even applicable 90% of the time to like that real life. So it's like, how do you present? So I was like, if we can educate people to make smarter decisions, understand their investor DNA, understanding the protection and the risks that are out there. Not pushing a product, but talking about broad level of what that is. If we can guide them toward whatever that bigger future is for them and then counsel them along the way. And what I found was true for everybody is that they wanted to be as successful as they possibly could. Right. Um, so we said, look, if we can educate, guide, and counsel toward reaching their full financial potential, then I think we have a good mission that we can build behind. So that's what we said. We said our mission statement is to educate, guide, and counsel people toward reaching their full financial potential. And um, we really wanted money to work for people. So we said making money work for people. And that's really where we kept it. And then, so everything was about education. Everything was about process. Everything is about weighing and measuring, financial modeling versus planning, um, being in financial balance, weighing and measure financial decisions, creating your investor DNA, creating your... Um, your investment policy statement, um, understanding your protection side, understanding that you have a balance sheet and you have a future balance sheet, you have a net worth and a future net worth, you have cash flows. So running a household like a business and making smart strategic decisions so that way you're in control and then we go to the universe of products and selections out there and put them in the right position. That's the way we approached it. Um, that being said, you can't go work for companies necessarily that offer that same philosophy, right? Right, and, and one, most of the companies yeah. that are out there, they they essentially have someone, uh, their limit on the products that they can offer based upon whatever institution that they work for. Yes. And in addition Depending to that, are, yeah. is, is this correct? Like, and, I, and almost, and this is like beautiful when we, when we met, cause like you already there, but I legit was thinking like, yo, I'm gonna go take my series seven and everything and educate people on like why it's like so ass backwards. But yeah. in my mind, I had a mortgage company at one point and it was like, hey, this week, if you sell our loan, by the way, you get money on the back end. And, yeah. I'm, and, and I'm sure like the, 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 the big institutions, that's how they work, right? They sell you different products based yeah. on the money that they get paid by the company for the products that they're pushing. Yeah, yeah. So that's, how, that's what they do, they create products, right? Right. So once again, a principle or a rule is that there are rules of financial institutions. Mm -hmm. And we just nailed one on the insurance side, right? They want 
to give you as little amount of coverage as possible for the most cost. Right. You as a consumer want to pay as little as possible for the policy but have the most protection, mm. right? So yeah. when we're making decisions, we need to understand the rules because the rules of financial institutions are that they want your money, they want it systematically, they want to hold on to it for as long as possible, and they really never want to give it back. So, Because they're investors and they know how to make arbitrage, right? So they're going to give you your money and give you 1% rate, and they're going to lend it to someone at 5%, and they're going to make four points. Right. So you, you take your deposit at the bank where right. you think it's safe. You put your money at the bank, which is FDIC insured, let's say, whatever amount, like, like 250 to 500, depending on how they set it up. So you're FDIC insured. What that means is that the, 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 the amount of deposits, they can go out and borrow from the Federal Reserve 10 times, mm. right? So let's say they're getting 10 times that money back. Now they take that loan to you for the car, for 5%, for the house, right, for the spreads. Maybe not 5%, but for a spread, right? So credit cards, right, 18%, they're borrowing at like one, right? Federal funds rate are at zero right now. We just went to zero. We're talking about going negative interest rates, right? So now the banks are making the spread for money that they didn't even, they just got it from the Federal Reserve, right? So what you, when you look at the way the banking system is designed, and you look at the why there's so many in every single corner, it's like, man, I want to be a bank, right? Yeah, I need to understand the rules. It's a great gig. Let's understand the rules. Yeah. The, don't hate on them, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. I, that'd be great to be a banker and make killing, right? Jamie Dimon and all these guys like killing it. Yeah. Right. Um, if you ever watch the new Billions, you see him all there. He's like sweaty, looks over, and all these dudes having fun in the corner. He's like, look at all those bankers over there, man. They got it good. Right? <laughs> so, but um. But the thing is, is that you got to understand the rules of that. Mm. Don't hate on it, dude. We live in America. It's great. Just replicate it. So, what are the invest? What are the rules of financial institutions? How does velocities of money work? And how do you put them into your own system to create wealth for yourself? Wow. So instead of just embrace it and enjoy it and understand it and understand that what's happening, educate, right? So I, I think. Is really the difference between that abundance mindset versus that scarcity mindset. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, so abundance is that um, all things are plentiful, right? All resources are available. Where scarcity is you gotta hoard, yeah, and you gotta hold, and you know the kind, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I oh, can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? All that stuff. Or that friend, like, hey, we can't go out to you. I can't go out to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, let's pay for all your stuff, right? Right. Let's go. So we're thinking that we can that all things are great, right? So for you, coming out of all the things you went through in college, and it's like, you, it's abundance, man. Everything's good, like, I'm good. <laughs> like, whatever, like, it's just a matter of time. When we get hit, we're gonna move through. So that, that mindset's important because, like I said before, you have your series of chaos and crisis. It's time, it's how you react. And if you can, there's only two types of people. They're either abundant or scarcity. And the ones that can get out of scarcity quickest are the ones that, that recreate. Right. Which is why the first group out of right now are the ones that are entrepreneurs. The abundant thinkers are going to create the new robotics that's going to run the country. They're going to create the new systems, the new everything that's going to create. We're going to be the first ones out. And I think to that point, in every crisis, is massive opportunity. Huge opportunity. All great wealth is created in crisis. Yeah. And, and that's big wealth. Yeah, right? yeah, big. So you're talking about like Rockefellers, you yeah. look at like Warren Buffett. When 2008 and nine happened, he's like, oh, we've been there. But he's got his newspaper clippings all over his, all over his office reminding people what the market's like. 
So he goes to Goldman Sachs, yeah, I'll give you money, 15% uh, interest, I gotta buy your stock at 90, this is how the deal's gonna go down, and you know, calm, right? So now he's able to create opportunity, and he was prepared, right? And that's what that financial balance is about, is preparation for when things are collapsing, you are in control to make decisions and be able to move and have that freedom to embrace your abundant mentality, right? And the people that have figured that out that's the common theme between all successful people. Mm. That's good. That's good. I want to touch on something that you talk about, and I think it's important um, because I feel like a lot of people suffer from like this SOS. I call it shiny object syndrome. Right. You know, always want to like grab on the next idea, the next thing. But I think what's really important is understanding your investor DNA. And from there, like just if we talk about principles, all your decisions should be made based off like your investor DNA. So talk a little bit about like your investor DNA. Yeah, so um, like shiny objects, right? So we talk about track record investing. We talk mm -hmm. about looking back to see what something did to create. So right now it's like, um, you'll see that, oh, these certain things did better than these others, so I'm gonna go here, right? Um, so you're using the back performance to look backwards. So you look if you look at a given portfolio, most of them come back in, they're really, very overweight in these certain places a mm -hmm. lot of times. So you're seeing things like even the advisors are, are going away from real rules-based, principles-based investment strategies to track record investing, looking at what worked, you know, and that's where they're, that's where they're going into. Um, so that's how investor um, portfolios I find are very designed. There's no, a lot of them don't have the same rules or evidence of how those things are performing through. Because what, what an investor DNA would say um, what is your investor DNA? Like, what is it that you feel comfortable with in um, in something? So, the right way to understand your investor DNA is to start. Be, any real smart investor would always want to understand one thing. Do you know what that would be? Like, if you're gonna make an investment, what's the one thing you'd want to know? Um, the 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 what is it? Beta delta, like the risk versus reward. How much could I lose? Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You're exactly right. So if I'm gonna make an investment into, it could be the stock, it could be an investment, it could be into a, um, a business, do you wanna understand your downside, right. right? So risk to return, exactly. So I'm looking at what's that. So there's a, everyone's got that comfort of where they are. Are they gonna stick through it, right? So when this whole thing hit and the market went down 40%, we're all sitting around here like, let's go, this is it, let's do it. Right, <laughs> like right. we're ready, right? Because now everything's on sale, everything's cheap, right? Real estate, businesses, everything's like on sale. Like Amazon dropped 40% and went poof, right back up, right? So, so, so this, this is a question I've always wondered, right? So is it like a zero sum game? So if, if, if it drops by 40%, are, are there winners in that? Like does that, 40, does that money that people lost go, so, to, go to somewhere else? How, how does that work? Well, that stock price dropped, right? So it's gone. So that money just gone? It's gone. It just lost. Yep. You got more. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right? So inflation, right? So you worry about asset prices. So when we put more money into the system, right, that's bringing asset prices back up, right? So don't hate on it. Understand it. Mm. And there's some good books out there like The Case Against the Fed, Understand uh, the Gold Standard, right? Understanding how the systems are built, right, and what they are. Um, that's very important. So your investor DNA is different. Like, so I meet with very high-powered entrepreneurs, like car dealers, people that build apartment complexes, restauranteurs, um, doctors, and all that. Some will say that I don't believe in paper assets, I believe in hard assets. 
That'd be in the best of DNA, right? Like, I believe in hard, tangible assets. So it's like, great, you buy those. That's where your portfolios and your business assets are, but you still need a cash management strategy. Like, if you're really smart, you have cash, and how do you manage that? So understanding and uncovering what your what your appetite for risk is, understanding what your evidence and rules are for your investments and all your investment decisions, right? But if I give money to someone for a loan, for a building, for real estate, I got rules, right? I need a certain amount of return. I need collateral. I need to have a world-class operator. I need to make sure that things are going if I'm gonna be in the financing business, right? right. So, and, and I think um, you hit on a point, and I just wanna make sure that everyone understands the, the paper, cash flow, and the hard assets. Like when you invest in a hard asset, your money is tied up. It's not, you wouldn't call that a liquid investment. It's illiquid, yeah. It's illiquid, right? There's no market for it. Right, you, you are, are there I mean, is. There is a market, but at it's a not. price, it's at a discount, so you're probably not gonna maximize your value right. if you need to look. There's no readily market, right? So the mar stock market, right, you can yeah. buy and sell frequently, right? In real estate, you gotta go put it on the market. It's not a, there's a market, but it's not as, it's not an efficient market like trading like what that would be right so right. the just the mindset would be all right my philosophies i want hard assets so that's fine but you still really need capital to take advantage of right. opportunity to buy hard cap and that capital you just shouldn't be sitting idle in the bank right we already talked about yeah. how that works so you put it in some paper and then that paper you can get in and out of and have it put it in a way where it's kind of protected right so you buy debt and it pays you an income right, right. you buy a stock it pay you an income so what we're talking about is what's your, so what's my lo risk of loss? Mm -hmm. And what a real good investor would do is they would be investing their cash flow. So what's a cash flow? So like how am I a cash flow investor? So what cash flow would I kick out? Because really, if you're making the 100, what do you, what's your goal? Like my goal for my clients, they may not be able to articulate it all the way, but I was like, really what you're telling me is you need want to be independently wealthy. You want to be work optional. You want to make decisions on your own terms versus someone else's. So the, the moment that you have $100,000 of passive income coming in, meaning you got the two million bucks sitting somewhere generating that flow, is yeah. when you're independently wealthy. Right. So the question is how fast can I get you there? Right. So if I buy that real, real estate, I buy that apartment complex, or I buy that hotel, or I buy that strip mall, or I buy that business, what's the cash flow, what's the EBITDA, what's the number that's coming out, bottom line in that, on that investment, right? And then what's my risk of volatility, right? Like. That's, that's the way you start to look at investing. Wow. Being a cash flow investor, that's part of that investor DNA. It's part of that psychology of the way you, you build out your stuff. So I'll find high-powered entrepreneurs that have these great businesses, and they've got tons of cash sitting, and they've not figured out how to build up the next level. That's why you see these guys create private equity funds, they create yeah. the bank capitals, we talked about Ray Dalio and these guys and how they do it, but that's their next evolution. Now they have this pot of money, now they become a financier and they become a new thing, you know? Yeah. That's how they evolve. So it, it's <clears throat> so it, it's challenging because a, a part of your business um, is education. And uh, as an athlete, professional athlete, you know, we would get a different type of education from the NFL. And a lot of it is like CYA, right? Cover your ass, what we told you so, don't yeah. mess up your money. But I think from um, an entrepreneur and an athlete, right? They're all corporate athletes. They're, they're all like, you know, their own companies, if you will. Yeah. But I think the mindset that I, that I had when I was young that's changed now is that you were looking to create wealth through like an untapped market. Like you felt you could only create wealth if you were the next Facebook, 
if you were next business that was written down on a napkin and you invest in that. But the volatility of those deals are just so like so hot. And it's amazing now just looking at investment portfolios or where it's like, no, like 10%, 50% is great if, if it's repeatable. Like you don't need to 20X, 100X your money. Right. Like over time you can invest in like safer, less volatile things and still grow as opposed to this swing for the fence on every deal mentality yeah. that like is very harmful. Yeah. Yeah. So NFL player, it's like, what can I tell my younger self? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, if you yeah. go back yeah, now, I'll tell your younger self something. You're just too young. You haven't experienced it. As a matter of fact, my job was to play football, like up until that point. And it was like not to get the degree, just get your, keep your grades up so you can keep playing, right? So the focus wasn't on that. It was really, and I felt that way. I felt like my, 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 my network and the people that I was with, I didn't think that that football thing would ever get me there because I wasn't exposed to the business people, the entrepreneurs and that stuff when I was in it. Right. So for a real, like, I mean, I was a wannabe trying to get there, but like the guys that are really at that level, that is their profession. Like yeah, that's no, where they're whole they, in it. and they need to be all in. So to be a master at all this other stuff is very, very hard challenge. So when you get money and you get game checks and it's in the sums that it is, it just goes to the bank account. And I, it doesn't matter if you're an NFL player or any of us, if it gets to your checking account, it finds a home. Yeah. And it finds a home quick, as you know, no Amazon, all that, it's gone, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is the rules and the habits haven't been formed yet mm. because you, your older self hadn't told your younger self what to do. And you don't even understand how that is because you're getting it from so many different people. And, and what you're actually a target, right? So everyone's trying to take and, and so yeah. you're, you're in that. So it's very hard to run your business that way when you know your lifespan is like three to four years, maybe, right? And it's going to be all at once, and you just hit the lottery. That's why most average lottery tickets winners are broke. Most NFL or professional athletes are broke three years right. after retirement. Um, is because of they've never been taught. Most trust fund kids that were never educated are broke. I mean, it's they cross the board. It has nothing to do with that profession. It has to do with just we have not. It's just it's just the age thing and all that. And it's education. It's, it's education. And, and but then again, is it important to you? At that mm-hmm. time, so yeah, we can teach you all day long, but it ain't important. It's like I didn't have anything before. I'm gonna go have a good time and I'm go back to that. Wow. Is that really that bad? So um, others really do care and want to make it. So if they've got, if they if they have the right mindset, they love their family, they want to be abundant, they want to really make sure they're set up for the future, then then they'll listen. You can give them the education that they need to succeed. The NFL struggles with it because you have so many, you're trying to please the masses, I think, is where the issue is. And then you're trying to go to a bunch of different, so the best thing you can do is to make sure someone doesn't fraud, they don't steal or they don't take, that right. they're being truthful and they've got a good back engine, I guess, nah. is what I see. Nah, that's great. From my NFL PA experience. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I think what's, what's great about what you all do is you have uh, a well fit program. So you have an educational piece that allows right. your clients or people that work with you to have to build that education right. while they're you know building their wealth. Right. So talk about the, the wealth fit, how was that created and what exactly uh, is that model? So it came from the education platform. It came from 
for people like me that are highly ADD, they can only pay attention for <laughs> a few minutes. Guilty. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, because I get bored very quick. So that's financial interval training. So you can do short sprints of like we did today in the workout, right? Yeah, we yeah. can do that for six rounds and get through it in 15 that's, minutes. That's we're it. good, right? If we do that one every day, we're going to get better, right? So that was the idea of taking the key concepts, these 19 areas, and break them down into these structures with the end result, you have a financial plan essentially, um, or you know how to position yourself and you can understand what a balance sheet is, what a net worth statement is, what is a cash flow, what's an investor DNA, what's all that stuff into a format that maybe you're a do-it-yourselfer and you don't want to have the one-on-one -on -one coaching that way. So we've got close to 10,000 subscribers now on the platform. We've offered it through a lot of our um, employer-sponsored retirement plans for employees and things of that nature so that's that's what the system is and it's really the the, the back end of our private wealth process that we would take a, a, a the same conversation you're gonna have with a very wealthy person it's just the principles are still the same yeah now that's amazing i think it's a definitely uh value add because yeah. a lot of other financial institutes they don't have that no they just think hey i'm gonna fly out to one of your games and after we're going to dinner I'm gonna sit down and talk to you about your portfolio and teach you everything you need to know about right. investing. What about the 19 other areas I got going? <laughs> yeah. You look at my car insurance, my homeowners, <laughs> my liability, Will's trust, my disability insurance, yeah. uh, my employer-sponsored benefits. The, how do I buy my debt? Do I have my right? My leverage is set up properly. Do I know what my future cash flows are gonna look like? There's so much more to it than that. So it's a lifelong thing, right? You don't just work out once and get fit. It's it's a ongoing, never-ending, evolving process. And that's why it's got educate guide counsel throughout. Um, but once you get the principles, then you can start going. So like, you know, eat healthy, exercise, right. right? You can be fit and have, you know, that stuff is the same. That's the concept is that that's what we wanted for, um, to help deliver. But the financial institutions say, look, if you got $500,000 or more, I'll work with you. My concept was, uh, are you, do you have the right mindset? Do you love your family? Are you willing to grow? All right. You're a perfect client for us. Never size them up by checkbook, right? Because I never liked that when they sized me up when I walked in the room. Oh, right. a kid from the hood, whatever, has no money, like, whatever. I, but I think that mentality is so great because if they don't have that, and if they do have money, yeah, that money's not gonna last. So now, mm -hmm. they're working with clients that, that potentially maxed out, right? And they're just, all right, I'm gonna scarcely hold on to everything I got, as opposed to working with clients that are abundant and thinking about growth and growing and most of your clients, if I'm not mistaken, like actually end up growing, right? No matter where they start, it's like where you end, yeah. it's where you finish. Yeah, so I go to them and say, look, let me find lost money, put it back to work. Let me talk to you about velocities. Let me talk about the rules of financial institutions. Let me get you organized, show you how it would be. And I won't charge you anything. I'll do it for no additional out-of-pocket cost. But if I create value, if I can find money and put it back to work, if I can create the two to $5 million of wealth I think I can create by finding lost money and put it back to work, just give me a chance. Let's let me help you with that once we build it. And that was my original conversation because here's a 20-some-year-old kid that just got out of college that had a few years in a corporate job that never had any money to go out and talk to high-powered entrepreneurs and let me show you how to be the way because I was the dude driving the subway in, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm like, but here's how this is gonna go, right? This is what it is and I'm not even gonna charge you. Let me figure it out. And then those people built businesses and created it and and then then they started going and all that so now we're doing our next series and all this stuff as those are going so 
those, those friends of mine that were in their 20s, because I just worked with my friends, and then they started things, these different businesses and stuff, and that's, that's how we did it. So, in, in regards to uh, your business model, like, what does that look like in three years? Uh, for us, so, um, it looks, uh, I'm glad you asked that. So, yeah, we, we will have um, probably $3 billion under management at that time. Um, we will have 50 advisors, I would say. Uh, we'd probably be in 15 different cities um, offering financial education. We would have over um, 50,000 people on our WealthFit platform being educated and learning and um, um, building a better way for financial literacy in the world. So we, we have a, a mission to a million, a million people independently wealthy, um, free from financial worry, and wow. living the life they want. And that's where we are. That's what we want to get to. So, um, But three years from now, that's the way we, we think that's the projection of what that our firm will be looking like. Now that's awesome. So what is your definition of independently wealthy? Um, independently wealthy would be where your your expenses mm -hmm. um, are covered by passive cash flow, cash flow, where you don't have to work for it. Wow. So you're now work optional. You have enough money coming in from your life's work where you are um, free from from any decisions that are outside of what you want to do. That's beautiful. Now, like, um, not that you have like, uh, I think you said enough in terms of an elevator pitch, in terms of someone that should consider you, contact you. But like, yeah. if, if someone's like in a position now where they're not happy at their financial institution, they haven't been um, educated, yeah. they're kind of in this one size fits all model, like what, what what's the opportunity or what's the decision that they make to contact you all and kind of like getting more information about how do they, you know, have you kind of look at their assets and kind of figure out, are you a better fit for them? Yeah. Okay, so like on our website at jerrybunch.com, it's mm -hmm. real simple. There's a, um, a quick um, fact-finding questionnaire that will give them a baseline and ask those questions. Like three years from now, where you're going to be, um, understanding your drawdown and where you where you currently are, um, would help us really start to get a framework of um, are they a good fit for next level coaching and development on the financial side. Um, we, we took a lot of the financial stuff out of it. It was more about like the mindset questions, right? So um, it's just a quick assessment that you go through very quickly and it, get, it gets sent to one of, one of our advisors and then we follow up and then um, the first step would be to really get them organized and really showing them here are all the inefficiencies that you have right now and um, here's what, what we see almost like a, um, like a physical checkup essentially. And um, that's, that's how it goes. And it's very simple and seamless. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Now, so um, last question, not ask, you know, everyone who's on the show this, is the, the, the name of the show, the podcast, is Success Weekly. And the reason why I entitled it that is because, like, I've had this sense of guilt um, of living a privileged life and being mm -hmm. able to have conversations in rooms that other people aren't privy to. So we talked about knowing yeah. their games and understanding them and getting information. And most people like never heard like a financial uh, advisor talk about different type of things in education. So it was amazing for people to kind of get that information. But if there was like one clue, like one clue that you think kind of led to your success that you can drill down on, 
Like, what would that be in terms of your final clue to, as a takeaway um, for the people that are, that are listening to this, that are watching this? What would be that clue? Um, I think it echoes a lot to what you're saying is that I've had the ability to be in the rooms with a lot of successful people and see the back end of what they're doing, which is what created what we have now. Had I not had that ability, um, I don't think we definitely wouldn't be able to create what we have right now. So the clue is um, really be mindful of, like you said, what books, what books you're reading and, and who are the people that you're hanging out with, right? Because um, that usually breeds success. Right? If you can really start to surround yourself with that environment that you're, you're gonna figure things out. Just like I did, if you looked at all the success and cried, all the stuff that I went through, I was always surrounding myself with something. It was, whether it was that, the kid that was going to college, that I was surrounding myself and absorbed in it, right? To, um, to get to where we are right now. I think that's, that's a common theme I see quite a bit. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. It's a saying that goes, um, there's nothing wrong with being a copycat as long as you're copying the right cat. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and then you think following others, learning from others, not yeah. making those same mistakes, man, is really how to how the wealthy, you know, kind of survive and how to get there. Yeah. And you think about it like um, there's so many people that do that. Like when I like in these coaching programs that I go to, you look around the room and some of the most successful people are in these things still. Like why do you go into these things anymore? Why are you always doing self improvement, right? So I spend a considerable amount of money on self-improvement and development. I mean, it's insane, like what I do just to keep to keep going. And if you look at the really successful people, it doesn't matter who they are, they're doing that stuff. Um, you know, like Mark Cuban was on with us on our little group, just talking to us about what to do going forward to get them without you. Like he's always trying to go. So he's surrounding himself and being in and doing Shark Tank and being in them. Like if you look at those kinds of people, like I'm just thinking of the people we talked to in the last few weeks. Like, like what is that? Like it's crazy, and that's the common theme I see. Like and like guys that like I talked to one of my friends. It's a New York Times bestseller, and he was like, "Yeah, well, I was like, what are you doing?" He's like, "I finally got on a plane." Like, where are you going? He's like, "Self improvement." Like, self improvement. Why do you need self improvement? Yeah, I'm gone for a week doing this thing, or you know, yeah. it's that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, just like once again, it's fitness, it's training, and all that stuff. And and what happens is you get stuck in it, and then you're not working on it. Right, mm. and if you're not right, then um, you're, you're not going to be clear and be able to generate. Right, yeah. and I think that's why you've got so much more energy now, probably than ever, is that you can now be clear and grow and yeah. and really get into those high-powered conversations that will change the future of the world because people need that more than ever. Yeah, which is what your academy is going to do and this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, awesome. That's that's yeah. it. I think the. Um, what I've learned is the number one investment that you can make is in yourself. Yep. And you just hit it, right? The, the, the books that you read, the people that you hang out with, the amount of money you invest in these these, these programs, yep. man, they, they pay back tenfold. Your best investment is all in yourself. Yep. That's what I start with. It's like before you invest in the stock market, before you go and do anything else, you better make sure yourself's right. No, no doubt, no doubt. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. This has been great. Definitely drop some clues, some bombs, and um, definitely look forward to continuing our relationships. And yeah, uh, who knows, man? Sure. Might be a more and more podcast. So definitely appreciate yeah. it, man. Great workout, great start to the That's day, right. and then roll right into it, yeah. man. So we're gonna um, go ahead and pound it. We That's usually right. dap up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. We're social distancing still. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're definitely um, happy that you were able to be here. <laughs> definitely, um, if you're interested in learning more about us or um, learning more about the Successful School Podcast, GaryBracket.com. 
definitely sign up for our newsletter and also check out Champions Academy. We have some mindset training in there as well and definitely get your mindset right, that financial fitness that we talked about so you make those wise financial decisions, grow your wealth, and most importantly, protect it. And the best thing is to invest in yourself and your own education. All right, y'all. We'll catch you on another episode of Success Leads Team.